Hello, hello, and welcome to the good shit. This is just a little tag-on um, intro that I had to make because actually, in the in the original clip, I say clip; it's a whole fucking episode. <laughs> You'll see later on. I, I mention um, the MGTOW community, and I say it stands for because someone wrote this comment, obviously as a joke. It stands for men guarding their own wallets. But actually, as it turns out, it stands for men going their own way, which is kind of a similar meaning. But I just I had to put this in because I don't like getting things wrong. <laughs> so here is the uh, you know the actual episode. I go to sleep in fits of worthlessness. I wish I could be magic for her. And I think there's something else to be said in this same breath. But I dare not say it. Because it's just too painful. And I don't want to leave a huge gap of silence for you to wonder, is this thing on? What's going on? I need to keep saying something, but I thought I could say it. And then the moment came and, and I just couldn't. And this is me on my own saying it to myself. I'm not on a stage. There's no one with me. I'm not looking at anyone. And yet, this is the place where it is most difficult to say. I wish I could be magic for her. I would say I wish I could be magic for you, but <laughs> that's becoming a little bit involved on your part, and that's a bit weird, to be honest. So I'm going to leave you out of it, but... Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I wish I could, I wish I could be magic. I wish I could, I wish that my love and my, my self-love and my love for someone else could be part of that overly romanticized and symbolized picture of fertility. And I say overly romanticized and symbolized because as real as it seems, I know it's not real. For crying out loud, you've got, you know, you've got, a, you've got a partner crisis. Apparently, there was an article saying that uh, women who freeze their eggs were asked the primary reason for it, and it wasn't their career per se. It was 
the lack of a partner. So you could say the career maybe somehow is connected to the lack of a partner. Um, but, you know, instead of kind of uh, making me feel better in terms of, you know, what is a partner, this mystical person that makes you feel good, whatever that means, is obviously not, it's not reduced to a man or a sperm donor or anything like that. It it, it has to be much more than that to, to qualify. But that doesn't really do much in the way of making me feel any better. Um, because, because that energy is still stuck in that activity and it is both my self-esteem of feeling worthy in myself through through doing it and also an expression of love towards someone else for picking them to do it with so for those reasons i feel bad and I wish I could do it, but that's not, <laughs> sorry, this is not actually the topic for this episode. Uh, I feel like I'm doing interweaved topics between episodes where uh, it starts out in this episode and maybe it continues in a different one, and you really need to listen to all of them to have a full picture of all the topics because I do stray. It's just... You know, this happened last night and I was just I had a proper breakdown, a meltdown. And I just, I looked up, um, you know, male infertility discussions and it's definitely not talked about. But also it doesn't 100% apply to me in the sense that, um, you know, whether I like it or not, I do have female side fertility so um in terms of oh i can have a child that is genetically related to me that is a separate thing but i think the whole process and what it means on a personal level on a sexual level on a relationship level is really totally different um a lot of women who um can't get pregnant you know one of the options is to use an egg donor because to them the pregnancy is actually the main thing um and even just being pregnant with a baby that isn't genetically related to them is still kind of a big deal right it it's just it's such a personal thing you know like some people would just be like why would anyone ever put themselves through the to pregnancy and childbirth and some people would want nothing more than that nothing you know, so, yeah, anyway, but as I say, I don't really want to go into that. It's just this sentence, uh, you know, it just kind of came into my head. You know, I wish, I wish I could be magic for you. I wish I could be magic for you. Because, you know, outside of it being the most banal, even negative thing that it can be in many people's lives, you know, in my life, to me, it is this, this magical thing that... Uh, is uh, unreachable, I guess. Um, 
so I, I wish I, w- I wish I could be magic I wish I could be magic for you it feels like um, it feels like any amount of love that you could possibly have is somehow held back by this obstacle you know <laughs> right <laughs> total let's do a total u-turn um, I really wanted to talk about when I was a kid at school, we had, um, we did a lot of English lessons. I was in a school in the UK, obviously. So we had, we had English lessons and um, it was quite, it was quite intensive. And at one point we, you know, our teacher, our teacher was absolutely amazing. Um, just came up with this fun new idea that once a week, instead of a standard lesson, we were going to do drama. So we were just going to do sketches in English, and I absolutely loved it. I remember it was one of my favorite things that ever happened at school. And, um, you know, I just learned these lines. uh, And I remember we had a show at one point, and the parents came and saw it, and there was a real buzz afterwards, and I just felt so amazing and I thought, that's it. I'm going to go into theater and acting when I grow up. And I was so, I was so attached to that for quite a long time <laughs> before realizing it was definitely not, really not what I was interested in. And I think through the lens of being trans, the reason I loved acting was because it seemed like the only way for me to actually just act out the role of who I really was that no one else actually saw day to day. I felt like acting was an excuse to actually just be myself, uh, which is so funny because normally it's the other way around. You're escaping yourself to be a character, to be a different character, to be someone else. But for me, it was the only way to be me. <laughs> it was the place to find myself, the place where I could wear anything and say anything and do anything without being judged and taken too seriously. And I could secretly just be myself behind the mask of a role and people would just give me positive feedback for it. And it didn't feel like they were giving me positive feedback because of the acting. To me, it felt like they were giving me positive feedback for being myself. And that was just, wow, amazing feeling. Uh, The actual, (laughs) 10 minutes into the episode, the actual, let's say, um, prescribed topic that I did want to talk about in this episode it's actually something a little bit different. It's, um, I don't know, for some reason, YouTube has started recommending me um, a very different political field of content with women who are against feminism and uh, communities of men who are disenfranchised and, against, you know, against dating women or marrying women or American conservatives, that sort of thing. Um, which is quite which is quite interesting because if you're very stuck in your own bubble, even just the mention of something remotely opposite to you is enough to make you switch off and be like, no, no, you know, I'm not I'm not interested in that. I'm dismissing it. That's it. 
but on YouTube because there's so many different people, so many different. It's almost like all these topics are quite nuanced, and some people um, come across better than others. So they may be peddling the same, maybe extreme or inappropriate opinions that you might disagree with, but because they're attractive or interesting or entertaining, it's easy to f- to fall into that and to just listen to it anyway. And I do make a point of being a really, um, you know, a, a self-controlled person who I try not to put myself in that situation too much and not to take things personally um, because... I think that can be best for me most of the time, but also as an intellectual exercise of understanding where other people are coming from and that the truth, if there is such a thing as the truth, is always a mosaic amongst everything and never in an absolute doctrine or political stance or anything like that. There is truth in everything and there is lies in everything too (laughs) otherwise the truth would be relatively easier to define and get to um so so i do i would do i did decide to entertain this um i noticed that um all truth is all truth is just so subjective and objectivity is just a persuade it's it's just a persuasion tool there's no such thing as actual objectivity. I noticed when I was dealing with my sexual orientation and my gender identity, and I, you know, I I thought of myself as female, but then I I I was being, you know, I was being drawn into the 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 lesbian sexual orientation, and the only way for me to 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 kind of come to terms with this was to find positive media and role models and things that that made me feel okay about myself. So I started watching The L Word and listening to Tegan and Sarah and really identifying with that. Because, of course, if you have internalized homophobia or internalized transphobia, you actually have to work through your own phobia before you can accept who you are and 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 then expect others to also accept who you are um but the point is obviously now having moved on from that um label i have totally different feelings towards it i i have negative feeling t- feelings towards it because it rem- it reminds me of a time when i was going through very difficult um processes in terms of finding you know finding out um, about my feelings and about about myself and 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 my identity and my label and and you know what best described me if that's even a way of putting it and and also because as it turns out you know it, it wasn't accurate you know it reminds me of a failed attempt at actually knowing what was going on with me that was so difficult to process and understand um and being a guy in many ways is extremely different to being a lesbian in some ways it's the same and I think that's why I was attracted to that in the first place because the theme of fancying women and being being allowed to be more masculine um, overlap you know so 
I, you know, as a lesbian, I could see myself having a, a lot of things in common with straight men, but at the same time, in terms of my actual gender identity, it is very different. And in terms of how others perceive it, I think especially, it is insanely different. You know, I mean, as a lesbian, as a woman, as a lesbian, I, um, I had full freedom to really go for my sexuality and go for my sexual expression. And because it felt as a, a, a fight in a way, I felt entitled to just going all the way, just going full blast and just feeling extremely comfortable and valid in my sexuality. But now as a guy... In a, in a context of um, relating to women as a straight guy, it is literally the opposite where it's, you know, it's not valid. It's not, it, it's the opposite. You know, you're not, you're not kind of um, on, on a mission to, to fight the fight. You're kind of on a mission to kind of hide, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um so in terms of um, talking about your sexuality and your desires and um, connecting with people over that, it's it's actually a very, very negatively perceived. You know, as a lesbian, going in the street, being like, nice tits, it's kind of funny and it's kind of empowered and it's kind of nice. And even if it's a straight woman, uh, there's still an element of that sexuality and that sexual expression being fundamentally a positive thing um but you know being seen as a guy walking down the street nice tits you know predator creep weirdo you know and i i, I think that that does come down to how a sec the, the sexual expression itself is perceived and how female sexuality is a gift uh and male sexuality is a curse or, or you know anyway but that's a topic for another time so in terms of trying to find people that we can identify with, that drives the sort of content that we consume. So when I was trying to come to terms of being a lesbian, I obviously just really wanted to surround myself with people that were in that situation to make me feel okay about myself. And I can see how people would find it very difficult to do otherwise, especially when their issues are identity issues, who you are, which includes what you look like, your desires, and things like that. It would be, it would be impossible for people to try to identify with someone who just doesn't look like them or who just doesn't have the same feelings as them. So inevitably, you, you, you do end up in these communities purely drawn by this by this label you know for example you know tegan and sarah are lesbians and they make music that is not specifically to do with being a lesbian um it, it's just generic love love music right that's very generic stuff um but their audience is lesbians because they are lesbians. So even when the content isn't necessarily relevant, just that base level of um, 
the empathy of seeing someone that you feel is like you is enough to create these connections and communities even when the content might not be relevant to that. So, having said that, oh my God, like literally, there was a point, you know, five minutes ago, there probably was a point there. <laughs> it's just like, um, but essentially what I'm trying to say is when you sh- when you are actually perceived differently, you can see how people end up in these communities that seem like, oh, they just got together to do something. But but it can just be a very subtle side effect of people just seeking validation for themselves. Um, and so these perspectives are inherently extremely subjective. So YouTube has been, has been showing me these videos and I've come across a lot of people who identify with the um, MGTOW label, which is... Im- unpronounceable so i don't know what that's about but apparently what it stands for is men who guard their own wallets is what it stands for and some of the opinions that i've seen associated with this label are because women don't value men for themselves and who they are as a person uh and because of some of the consequences of legal outcomes of divorce and um child custody and custody and things like that they basically see women and and women they would be married to or divorced and later get divorced from as a neg- as a negative outcome you know like some sort of trap that is definitely going to end badly and therefore um just they would just stay away from that right guard their own wallets right so um Obviously, there's loads of ramifications of this. I've not looked into it too much because, honestly, it's pretty sad, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, as I said, the truth the truth is um, scattered in all places. Uh, and, I mean, of course, there, there is truth there in terms of men not being perceived as inherently valuable in themselves as a person, as a body, uh, as a personality, as a mind. Um, that That's... You know, that is true. I don't think that's really arguable. It is true, you know. The question is, you know, whether you have a problem with it or whether you don't have a problem with it. You know, in some ways, I I, I saw this phrase, um, men are human doings, women are human beings. In terms of gender roles and, and the value assigned to performing gender. Um, and you can say, as a man, Oh, you know, it's so sad because you're not you're not considered valuable. But at the same time, you have infinite freedom to create your own value, whether that is money, power, reputation, and in which way you acquire it is also an infinity of crea- creative potential. Um, and and that is what women have been trying to get for themselves instead of just being baby machines, right? So, yes, you can say, well, you know, that's a downside, but but every little thing can be as much a curse as a blessing, right? So it just depends how you see it. You know, as a guy, um, it it's not a big deal that you are unattractive, unfit, um, old. You know, those things actually... 
don't need to matter anywhere near as much as they do for women. So in a way, there's actually so much more flexibility in terms of actually deciding and owning your life. Um, whereas for women, how can you decide and own your physical aging, uh, your appearance, your fertility, you know? So there's, there's many different angles for that. But what I did want to bring up is actually because this community is understandably just men, <laughs> um, it becomes very interesting when there are prominent women who essentially talk about the same points and are on these men's side. Because if a man talks about this, it's very easy to just say, well, he's a deluded, misogynistic twat. But when a woman talks about this, all of a sudden, it, it's a totally different energy because it almost validates it. It says, well, this woman can possibly be a misogynistic, creepy man because it's a woman, right? So in some ways, it, it kind of it changes that perception purely just by being a woman, right? But the opinions are, are the same opinions. So some of the, these women have a, have a M-G-T-O-W... Seriously, if if you know how to pronounce this in one word, let me know. Um, and and so these communities of men kind of go to these women and 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 use them as validation for their ideas and for their viewpoints. Sometimes they just kind of make fun of them and say, "Oh, well, this is exactly what the problem is" and stuff like that. But I think by and large, it's it's kind of like, "Oh, well, if a woman says this is true, then it is true, and you can't dismiss her as you would dismiss a man." Now, one video I saw was by these two twins um, talking about whether women in the West, and again, this is a big distinction in these gender conversations, you know, West. West versus East and how gender is is done differently in different places and whether women in the West are losing their femininity. And so these two twins, you know, long hair, dresses in this video are just talking about how uh, women have been pushed to become men and blah, 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 and things like that. And whilst there might have been some points in there that I would have agreed with, one thing that struck me as extremely extremely ironic and funny is that not long ago and still in some places the concept of women being public figures and speaking out and 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 taking part in debate on social political issues or whatever um would have been seen as extremely unfeminine for a woman to be political unfeminine for a woman to be a public figure on feminine. And so here they are making this video on YouTube, being very uh, argumentative. Um, and, and to argue, to argue is, uh, um, an, is, is like a, oh God, I'm losing. It's <laughs> like a mind war. So to argue in a mind war is like fighting in a physical war, and therefore it's a masculine activity in some ways, uh, whether it's a physical war or whether it's debating, uh, you're trying to conquer people's minds. So, it, you know, 
I think it was the Turkish president that said women shouldn't laugh la- laugh out loud. So you know the concept of of even talking, of even being heard, having a voice, laughing, uh, would would be considered unfeminine in some places. So so I think they need to appreciate that this line of femininity masculinity is an ever evolving spectrum and whilst they might say oh well uh why you know why are women trying to act like men um you know the definition of that has been changing and in some parts them talking in that way about those things would have been considered deeply unfeminine where is the line i don't know and in the same breath a different video of another popular YouTuber interviewing a Russian woman to say, you know, what do Russian women think about feminism? And it was totally mis- misrepresented because it said, oh, what, what do women in Russia think? This is one woman. I, I, don't, I didn't catch her job title or in what way she could possibly speak for all Russian women. Um... But she didn't speak English. She answered. She answered in Russian. So I'm. I'm not quite sure what the context of that was. What their relationship was. Um, but she was very careful and diplomatic about how she answered the questions. Um, first of all, she said, "You know, it depends how you define feminism, because there are a number of different meanings of what that actually entails." So she didn't rush to any crazy overarching generalizations or anything like that in the beginning. She explained it quite calmly and with a, with a full appreciation for the nuances of that uh, subject. And essentially said that um, American, American aggressive feminism... It, is unnecessary and crazy uh, and in Russia they don't they don't do feminism because there isn't a problem because women can go out and get a job uh, so what's the problem there's no problem and you know that's the thing there is no line of oh well being equal is about voting or being equal is about jobs or, or being equal is, you know um to her, American feminism has gone off the rails and is crazy, uh, but women being able to go out there and have a career is is totally cool. Well, to someone else, by the same token, women having jobs could equally be seen as crazy. Uh, voting, women voting could also be seen as crazy. Where do you draw that line of, okay, it needs to be equal and fair, but not too much, you know? So, yeah, it's a, a th- I don't know. It's very strange. I th- I think I think that the temptation with this sort of conversations is to to tap into a core truth and and for for an inability to express it fully end up being negative towards others and start arguments and deviating from your core truth into something that is not quite representative or healthy in terms of you fixing the problem. Um, yes, there's an issue with men being seen as valuable human beings without performing something of status and significance. 
but is the answer to that um, saying no to all women and keeping your wallet to yourself? I mean, come on. That's almost, I don't know whether they want to or not, but that's actually stepping into feminine behavior of thinking of yourself as a princess and not expecting to spend a dime, which is absolutely silly because, of course, the of course the obvious answer is for men to to take on some of those feminine typically traditionally feminine um qualities of self-worth and to take a quote from the very popular um the rules book on how to get a man uh be a creature unlike any other you know this mystique of mm, there's just something special about you that someone is going to want to work for and and win over. Um, But there's no point. It's just just the silliness around acting as if you don't need someone else. But the fact that you're mad proves that you do need them. So either don't need them and get over it or accept that you need them and be nice about it because there's no point being mean to someone that ultimately you need. You know, so if these men, uh, of course they want women. Of course they do. Um, there's, you know, there's no point just having this sec- war of the sexes going on. It's it's petty and ridiculous. Anyway, um, I think I'm going to wrap it up because we've gone to for too long. Um And please write a review and give a rating. Thank you.